NBA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. When you're sweating out your bets, remember to take some time to chill and grab the perfect cold refreshment, Coors Light. And welcome, everyone, to a Wednesday morning edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. Wednesday, June 2nd, 10.50 a.m. on the East Coast, and we're coming off one of the best games of the season, probably the best game of the season with that classic, instant classic between the Nuggets and the Blazers. Lakers look like they're on the brink. Nets go home and get a coach fired. A lot to talk about today, including picks for Wednesday night's games, and I'm joined to break it down by Munaf. Munaf, how are you, bro? Doing well, man. I know we were on with uh, Sean and Ryan, and uh, we were saying that it wasn't the plays weren't as exciting, but uh, we got some action last night. Probably, yeah, like you said, the game of the season and in the playoffs so far, and then we got some breaking news this morning that we'll get into also. So, uh, you know, uh, plenty to talk about. So let's get right into it, man. Yeah, let's get right into it for sure. We got four games on tap for tonight, so we'll get to those in about 10, 15 minutes here. We're going to break down some of what happened last night. Maybe look ahead to the game sixes in those series. So let's start in Denver. Obviously, just a ridiculous shooting performance by Dame Lillard in the second half late in that game. You know, the Nuggets kept kind of pushing, building up these little leads and each of the end of regulation, end of overtime one, and, and Dame kept finding a way to make shots. And in the end, it's a 147-140 victory for the Nuggets who get the job done at home and take a 3-2 lead in the series. Munaf, your impressions of that game. I know you had some uh, Dame Lillard gifts that you were throwing on your Twitter feed, one of your favorite players. So, you know, what, what was your instant reaction to that game right there? Yeah, I mean, this, this guy is, I think going back to when he sent with that ridiculous shot he had against Oklahoma City Thunder where he broke the hearts of Russell Westbrook and Paul George. I think ever since then, like, I, this guy is probably one of the clutch players in NBA playoffs history for me, at least. And it was on full display. I'm going to be honest. Uh, when Austin Rivers hit that three-pointer with about two minutes left in the first overtime, they got up by nine. I actually turned the TV off, and I was like, okay, well, this is a wrap. <laughs> And then the Slack chat, and I got back on Twitter, and I saw the Slack channel saying Dame, and they said Damian Lillard again. So I turned back on, and I think it was what there was. They were down by two, and then they got it to three. I was like, oh god, this is going into double overtime for sure. And then again, Damian Lillard hit an incredible shot again, and this ended its double overtime. Um, just an absolute historic performance by him. But I think the more concerning thing for me was that, despite how great Damian Lillard was at the end of regulation and then in the double overtimes, the other players for the Portland Trailblazers did not do a single thing outside of Damian Lillard. I believe they were one of 19 in, uh, in the double overtimes. And that was pretty much the story, but you got to tip your hat to the Denver Nuggets. I'll let you get into that. Cause that's their team, your team. But um, yeah, I think you got to tip your hat to the way the Denver Nuggets really fought last night, despite what Damian Lillard did. 
Yeah, I think it's just incredible the Nuggets won that game. I mean, they basically blew they basically blew the game like three separate times. Like you know, as as you're saying, yep. it was motivation to turn it off. I mean, they built up a nine point lead in overtime one, and Dame Lillard is just so lethal down because he just has that pull up game. He can get right into that Gerald pull up or get all the way to the rim. And when you're not when you're kind of trying to just run the game out, doesn't really work against Dame because of how lethal he is with the ball in his hands. Um, yeah, the Blazers supporting cast did struggle. I thought the Nuggets did a good job, kind of. You know, look, they did a good job. Dame was hitting tough shots. Other guys weren't really hitting those tough shots. They had some good looks, but, you know, CJ didn't have it tonight. And both these teams are just really poor defensively, right? I mean, it was yeah. just open shot after open shot for both teams. And and Dame obviously hit some crazy shots. I think the foul up three thing is interesting. I think when everyone knows you're going to foul up three and you're already in the half court, I thought Dame probably, as we saw with the Austin Rivers play, that was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Um, that yeah. he would he would be able to get into a shooting motion and potentially if you go to foul him get a, a shot off and go to the line for three free throws. So I didn't think it was that yeah. simple. I thought people were kind of on Twitter saying, "Oh, just foul." Well, he, you know, it's not that easy. And they played good defense. Yeah. Guy just hit crazy shots for the Nuggets. You know, just more resiliency. You know, you lose your second best player. You're down three of your five top guards in your rotation. And you still, you know just survive these epic punches from Dame and then just, you know, to come back and win that game. Just a great win. Um, covered first quarter, which – and then and first half and game. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. That tweeted us out last night. All three home teams in their game fives covered first quarter, first half, and game. We had that – all three of those in the Nets game uh, yep. between between me, you, and Kramer. And so that was, that was a fun game for sure. Um, yep. Although the, the third quarter, we did kind of get a little greedy there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just a great win for Denver – um, and now we go to game six in this series where the Nuggets are a uh, five-point dog in Portland. So I know we'll be back with more shows to break that down. But, you know, who, who do you think wins this series here? It, it, game seven for sure, I think. I think, yeah. But uh, how does how does Portland respond from, like, yeah. this type of loss? I think that having Damian Lillard on your team was pretty much your – and Portland's mentality right now is obviously these are both game sevens, game six and game seven, right? Because mm-hmm. you lose game six, you're going home. Um, I, I think this is a game where the role players for the Portland Trailblazers will step up in game six. Um, this gets back to seven. I did have Portland in seven. I'm going to stick by that. Um, but um, I think that this game six or game six between the Portland Trailblazers and Derm it's going to be like game four where. Portland just came out and took care of business and it just got to the next game. I'm pretty sure that we all want to see a game seven between these two teams because we kind of deserve it. It's kind of been zigzagging. Portland will take care of business in game six. And I think we'll see seven. I'm going to stick with Portland in seven. Yeah. I think you brought the role players. I think that that we did kind of call that the nuggets role players would step up at home. You know, Aaron Gordon, two or four from three, Austin Rivers, four of eight from three, Marcus Howard, three Mm -hmm. of four from three, Monte Morris, four of nine from three, 10 of 11 from the line, five assists, no turnovers. Great game for Monte Morris, although you were trolling me a bit on Twitter because he did have some foibles late. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think for Portland, they need CJ to step up, right? I mean, he's just not been himself in this series. And I think, look, Dame emptied the tank in this game five. And obviously, so did Jokic. The, both those guys were just walking around in, in the second overtime. Really, you know, Jokic could do nothing again but fade away jumpers because he was so tired. Dame started deferring a little bit in that second overtime. Um, you know, getting the and CJ kind of took more shots. So, yeah, with there's only one night of rest here, so these teams yeah. are going to be exhausted. This is kind of an empty the tank series. So, 
you know, I do think it's going to be a CJ or a Michael Porter Jr. who ends up being the kind of definitive piece in one of these next two games. Yeah, and I think that I think if Damian Lillard has a down game in game six, I think of the two teams or of the two superstars, Dame can afford to have a, a lesser game because they still have CJ Norman Powell yep. to pick up that slack versus if Denver, if Jokic has a subpar game, you're really relying then on Michael Porter Jr. and someone else to kind of step up. And not that they can't, but I, I would, if I was putting money down on which role players I would think would perform better in game six, it's probably going to be the Portland Trail Blazers for me. Um, but yeah, man, I'm excited. Hopefully Portland pulls it off and we get a game seven in round one. So uh, again, a thriller last night and uh, we're on to game six. Yeah, definitely. And and I, I didn't even think Jokic played that well last night. I mean, he did end up with 38, 11 and nine, but like he yeah. had double OT and he was 14 and 31. I thought like Nurk was doing a good job. I think Melo does a really good job on Jokic, honestly, defensively. I don't know yeah. why they keep putting Covington on him. He cooks Covington, but Melo has that old man strength that I don't think Jokic really wants to deal with. Kind of like how he struggles against LeBron as well. So crazy game there. Um, obviously, the Nuggets get the cover. Um, and I, I think going into game five, I think or game six, the whole world's going to be on Portland. And I, I think yeah. there may be an interesting kind of contrarian play to say, okay, the Nuggets, you know, maybe with the five points. But we will get to that when we get to it. Um, sure. Let's go to Phoenix. Uh, just, a, I mean, not much to really break down here. It's just the Lakers' backs are up against the wall. They had absolutely nothing offensively in this game. LeBron didn't have the performance that he needed to have. And the other guys were also terrible. So just a complete drubbing by the Suns. Um, Chris Paul hurt again, but did, you know, I think he should be kind of similarly on this path the rest of the playoffs, which is kind of yep. like half hurt, half not. AD, you know, he tried to apparently warm up in pregame, felt pain in the groin again. And that's just concerning for the Lakers, obviously, as they uh, probably won't have a healthy AD for game six if he, if he even does play. So, I mean, Phoenix, again, covers first quarter, first half, and game here. Um, just a dominant performance at home for them. Yeah, I mean, Lakers came out and got a – they got up 8-3, to three, but then after that it just all kind of fell apart for them. They were for like two minutes, but then after that it just uh, – it just fell apart. Devin Booker, I mean, he just made some ridiculous shots in that first quarter and some and ones. And look, when 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 we expected LeBron to go out and have an absolute monster night to kind of carry this team, he was way too passive for me. I mean, when you're supposed to be the best player on this team, not only that, but also in, possibly in the league, and you go out and are really passive, shoot nine of 19 from the field, then you know, you're supposed to just come out and dominate. I was expecting him to, you know, have that type of performance where he scored 25 straight points like he did against the Detroit Pistons back in the playoffs, but he didn't. And then aside from that, Dennis Schroeder, 0 of 9 from the field, zero points. Uh, KCP, he's probably still hurt. He only played 15 minutes, zero points. The next guy was Kyle Kuzma. He was 6 of 13, so... All around, just not a great shooting night for the Lakers, and now their backs are up against the wall. Um, we'll see if AD is able to go in game six, but um, it was interesting this, for me that this line came out for game. I believe the Lakers were favored by three or four points. I think that's a significant swing. Um, yeah, Lakers for that minus game three. Six. Yeah, which is kind of ridiculous to me, but if AD is not able to go, 
Um, you know, Phoenix, I think they'll take care of business and, you know, Lakers are going to be going home. That line's now down to two and a half. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, the Lake, look, they, they, this, the holes in this roster are really just, you know, so clear without, without one of the two big two, I guess, on the floor. Um, just not really enough out there. And with, when Schroeder's not playing like the third guy that people thought he could be, I mean, it's just not really enough. Um, Again, you know, would love to have Kyle Lowry on this roster right about now. I'm sure they would. Yeah. I think, you know, the one bright spot, maybe you get Kuzma some more minutes. He kind of did have a good 15 points, 6 of 13, like you mentioned. So maybe he can give you a little more offense. Horton Tucker, maybe. But Trez, too. I think Trez is worth a look. Maybe try to boost that. They got to just juice this offense up, right? I mean, a 10-point second quarter really was like the the nail in the coffin for them. They only scored 36 points in the first half. It's just a, it's just a dud offensively. So... I think in terms of game six, I mean, you're really the only case for the Lakers that they have LeBron James. Now that's a pretty damn strong case. And yeah. we've seen that kind of bear true over the last decade and a half um, that, you know, you never doubt this man with his back against the wall. And I do think this finds a way to go seven, but okay. you know, I know we will be on opposite sides of that one. And, and Devin Booker looks like the best player in this series right now, or at least yeah. after game five. Um, and LeBron just, he, is, was he even trying to turn it up? Like, I, I can't even tell if he was attempting to have that type of performance or he obviously walked off the court early, which we don't need to get into. That was a little bit of a weird move. Um, yeah. So just a, a really just a rough game for the Lakers. But, you know, in a seven-game series, look, the Nuggets, you know, got blown out in game four and then came back with a home win in game five. So, you know, hopefully the Lakers can find something similar in, in game six for, the, for themselves. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe LeBron's mentality was that, Let's get this back home to Game Six. Yeah, maybe we we can we can win on our floor, and then it's just a Game Seven where you know it's one game that I have to go out and win, and I can put a godly effort into that game. So I don't know. I don't know what the mentality was. And again, like you mentioned, for with him leaving with about five minutes left, I, I don't know. Maybe he's going for treatment, or but whatever the case, like we don't need to get into that. But that, like you said, that was a little weird for me, and I don't know how I would respond to that if I was one of these players. Or his teammates on that Lakers bench, but um, yeah, big concerns in uh, in uh, Tinseltown. But um, you got to give a lot of credit to this Phoenix Suns team that they took advantage of the opportunity of winning the game where the Lakers didn't have their second best player, and they just came out and put their foot on their throats, and they're one game now from two advancing into the second round. Yeah, and um, you know, for Phoenix, I I actually did take Phoenix eighteen to one to win the title yesterday. Um, there you go. You know, look, the path is opening up in the West. Uh, like it is for it. Cause I think the Suns, even with, with, with or without Chris Paul being a hundred percent, I think they would be favored over the nuggets or blazers. And, you know, once you get to the Clippers, I definitely already have a lot of action on the Clippers to make the title. So, um, you know, if, if the Suns can squeak by the Lakers and same thing for the Lakers, I mean, this this bracket works out for these two seventeen because you're getting the Nuggets of the Blazers who are probably going to be the worst team left in the in the playoffs, um, or other than the than the Atlanta Hawks Knicks winner in the second round. Yeah. So let's go to Brooklyn. Um, you know about this game, not really much to say. Another you know offensive clinic from the Brooklyn Nets. Um, KD Irving Harden once again spectacular. But I think the bigger story from this game was Brad Stevens. No longer the head coach of the Boston Celtics, which is just 
absolutely crazy to think of, you know, thinking of where this team has been at over the last five years. Um, Danny Ainge yeah. stepping down from his role. He'll be leaving the team. And Brad Stevens stepping up to the general manager type role. Um, you know, your impressions of that. And it looks like Boston just kind of ran out of energy after the bubble and just had a year from hell that, you know, just caused a complete earthquake in their organization. Yeah, I think that I think Wooj reported that Stevens was worn down from coaching since the bubble and he wanted to, I guess, welcome the transition to the front office. And now they're looking for a new head coach. But, you know, like I was telling you offline before we started recording here, is that just Brad Stevens just looked disengaged from coaching all season. And that thing that kind of ties back into what was reported that he was worn down. Um, I know there was rumors of, Brad Stevens getting a huge contract offer from uh, Indiana University. Um, maybe he's kicking himself for not taking that, but I think I think for Stevens that he's probably going to be in this front office for maybe a year or two, and I think he'll be back in the college basketball ranks, coaching basketball uh, in college again. So um, I think this this hire, this next hire for the Boston Celtics, is probably going to be one of the most important coaching hires. Because you have an up-and-coming superstar in Jason Tatum. You are going to get Jalen Brown back, and then you're kind of building around those two guys. You have some good role players. Now, depending on what they want to do with Kimball Walker, who's off injured, uh, Marcus Smart, another guy that's a good you know piece that you can trade to a team and get back a player or a pick. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of transpires for this Boston Celtics team. And we said this when we were talking about the Boston Celtics, that this is going to be one of the more interesting off seasons for the Boston Celtics and not even, you know, 12 to 12 hours after they lose the game, they already have big moves with the uh, Danny Ainge, the general manager stepping down. And then now Brad Stevens getting promoted up to the president of basketball operations. So it's going to be interesting to see what, who they hire and what, what kind of happens with this team going forward. Yeah, and obviously, as a Michigan fan, I'm already panicking about Juwan Howard potentially uh, being in the running for that job. <laughs> so we'll have to see some of the early names that have been, you know, thrown around: Juwan Howard, Nate Oates from the college ranks, and then you know, I don't even know Mike D'Antoni, maybe. Uh, but it's just going to be a lot. Yeah, it's a good good roster. Uh, obviously, I think you know you, you kind of want to reset it, maybe try to get rid of Kemba and then build around Jalen and Jason. But you know, from this series, Nets, you know. They weren't really challenged much. We still don't really know who they are um, beyond how talented they are, obviously. I mean, I, I think going into this Bucks series, and the Bucks kind of learned more about themselves than the Nets in the first round. But, you know, I, I'm sure we'll break it down more. But looking ahead to this Nets-Bucks series, what are you seeing from this Brooklyn team? Yeah, I think that with, with this Nets series against the Boston Celtics, it's almost like, when the big three needed to flip the switch and kind of create that separation from this team, they were able to do it. And we still, I still think, despite you know the tweet that you posted with Kevin Durant, um, with his shooting numbers and how he's performed in this series against Boston, I still think that he can still go to another level because I think that he's going to be that best player on that basketball court between these two teams. And we talk about the star power that is on this in the series with Giannis and Middleton and Harden and Kyrie. Um, I think Kevin Durant's going to go to a whole new level. Um, Draymond Green, I think on TNT, 
without a doubt said that Brooklyn is going to win the East. And I, I tend to agree with him. I, I do like the Nets in this series. Um, I think this was a good warm-up series for the big three to get some um, you know, chemistry going with these five games. Now you're taking on a bigger opponent. I'm not the, the thing that kind of concerns me with the Bucks is that they played a lesser opponent in the Miami Heat because the Miami Heat were not good competition for this team. And now that you're facing the Brooklyn Nets, do you think that that's going to kind of wake them up or is it going to kind of be a slap in their face when you're taking on a team of this caliber with these 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 three big superstars that they have on the Nets? Yeah, that's a good point. I think that the Miami, I mean, were they really that much better than Boston? Like, I, I think everyone kind of is going into this series now saying that Milwaukee conquered everything by beating Miami. And they were, I mean, Miami didn't look that good in that series. Now, Boston yeah. obviously had injuries as well, but those, I mean, the Nets probably would have taken the heat in four or five as well. So, you know, I think mm-hmm. you're seeing a lot of momentum to the Bucs. I threw in a Slack channel, and I, I am personally, my gut kind of does say the Bucs might have a good chance in this series, but you're seeing a lot of momentum to the Bucs side. I think a lot of people are kind of getting hyped up on the Bucs, and, and the Nets are the superior team, and they might be kind of the less, uh, you know, contrarian side. Um, yeah. I think that's kind of an interesting dynamic here. We see game one. Nets around four, four and a half at home. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. I'm just, you know, super jacked up for, for that series. Um, and for the big three, yeah, I mean, the DiVincenzo injury kind of does change things a little bit. Got Definitely got to check in on this Jeff Green injury as well. He was yeah. supposed to be 10 days. I think it's been about maybe five days. So mm-hmm. he probably will miss game one, maybe come back for game three or four of that series. Um, right. So that'll be interesting to monitor. So lots of variables. I think the Nets are around, you know, minus 200. We've been seeing them on the series. So I think that's probably about right. Um, yeah. And obviously the home court, they, you know, Barclays does not seem like one of the better atmospheres out there. So that'll be another interesting yeah. aspect of that. But with that, let's take a quick break here. And then we'll come back and get into some of these games for Wednesday night. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast presented by WinBet. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in all your favorite teams, players, and sports games with generous promos, odds, and parlays happening right now at WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a special offer up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com and download the app today. All right, Munaf, coming back off the break. Let's get right into it for Wednesday night. We got four games, probably the last four game slate that we will have. So um, yep. definitely got to enjoy it. Going to have the two screens up for sure. Let's start at Madison Square Garden. The Atlanta Hawks are in town. The Knicks are a one and a half point favorite at home. Total at 208 and a half. Series at 3-1. Hawks going for the kill shot on the road. Munaf, where are you going with this game here? I'm going to give the Knicks one last chance here. I think that they'll get behind uh, the probably the been the most electric ca- sorry crowd in this NBA playoffs so far. Uh, I think MSU will be rocking again. I think the players will feed off of that. Um, like I mentioned with Sean and Ryan when we were on with them, is that we're all kind of still waiting for that Julius Randle game, that breakout game where he just comes out and kind of dominates. And if there's a, any time that's going to happen, it's going to have to be tonight. So, um Again, I think that they'll try to establish Julius Randle early, kind of get his rhythm going and maybe knock down a few shots for him. But I think 
I think what you said is that is this is going to have to be a game where every single player on the Knicks is going to have to be playing well, from R.J. Barrett to Derrick Rose to um, Julius Randle. Um, they're going to have to they're going to have to play really really well tonight. And I think their blueprint for them to win this game is going to have to kind of be that performance that they had in game two where they held the Atlanta Hawks only 92 points. So I think if they're able to hold them around that 103, 105 mark, I think they have a shot of winning this game, but Julius Randle is going to have to be a lot better here tonight. And uh, I'm going to give the Knicks, I'm going to give them game five here tonight. And I think then Atlanta will probably wrap it up in game six. Yeah, that angle makes sense. I think for the Knicks, um, look, I, I thought in, in game four, they actually kind of got off to a good start and, and they had a lot of, and Julius Randle himself was getting to the looks that he's been knocking down all year and just yep. getting a bad bounce off the rim. Like how many in and outs has, has he had in this series um, on yep. layups, on jumpers? So I, I do think that he's right there in terms of that breakout performance. At the same time, though, I just think the Knicks are kind of out of answers. I mean, even if Julius does pick it up, um, the guys around him, I mean, Derrick Rose can't really play any better, and the other guys kind of just look like they have nothing left in the tank. So I do kind of lean with the Hawks here. Uh, um, okay. I'm surprised. I mean, so I thought that this would be a game where, you know, the Knicks being one and a half favored, favored now in this game, maybe a little sketchy. I thought people would want to go to the Hawks to take, uh, you know, the team that's looked superior as an underdog, but 62% of the tickets are on the Knicks, so that's not really bearing out here. So I will go with the Hawks. Um, I do think if you like the Knicks, I mean, we saw this last night, and let's see if we have it again here. But first quarter, first half, I mean, I think that's where if you like the Knicks, definitely get some of your bet action down on those because, you know, the motivational angle, I think, is is really we saw last night and we've seen throughout these playoffs that it could be good to target uh, earlier in the game. So any thoughts on those bets or the uh, the total at 208 and a half? Yeah, and I think that makes 100% sense, and I like that angle better than maybe taking the full game, is your backs are against the wall. You're on the brink of elimination. You're going to have to come out and play great basketball. So I'm currently seeing that first quarter pretty much at a pick or it's at minus a half in that first half for the Knicks at minus one. So, um, you know, we, we've talked about all season long that the Knicks were the best first-half team and best team against the spread, but those things have kind of changed here in the playoffs for them in game one, they were down eight uh, in that first quarter uh, game two, they were down by seven game three. They were down, they were up by two, like you said. And then in game four, um, they were up by one. So it's kind of balancing out for them, but again, being back at home brink of elimination. Uh, I like that angle of home teams first quarter and first half. And I think we should continue writing that here with the Knicks. Yeah, I think I may even, you know, try to get get in on that as well. Maybe just not take the full game and just go with the Knicks in the first quarter, first half, then try to come back on Atlanta live um, where yeah. they've, they've succeeded in the third quarter and they kind of have shown more ability to adjust. Um, any player prop action you got in this game? Maybe some Julius Randle. I know you mentioned that. Yeah, um, his number's still at 23 and a half. I'm still not comfortable with that, but he's been rebounding the balls uh, well. Uh, for the New York Knicks, I currently see his number at ten and a half for rebounds, so I might take the over on that. And I think Derrick Rose being back at home, he's been their best scorer, averaging close to twenty three points uh, per game in this series. He's at nineteen and a half, so you know he's gonna he's been the leading scorer for them. Um, and I think RJ Barrett. I want to get your thoughts on how you think RJ Barrett will fare tonight. His points total is right now at fifteen and a half, and his points, rebounds, and assists 
are at 24 and a half. So maybe, I don't know, RJ Barrett has a good scoring night. What do you think? Yeah. And I was on this in, uh, Game two, game three, game three. Yeah, I, I forget. Yeah, I think it was game two um, where okay. he didn't he didn't end up closing the game. I, I had a twenty five and a half, and um, you know, I that's my only concern is that he's not a lock to be in there in the fourth quarter because they like to maybe go with Burks, Bullock, and Rose in the backcourt with Randall and and Taj or Noel. So that's my only concern. I do think that the the game sets up for him to get more involved. They need something more dynamic, ball handling, and I think he can provide that alongside Derrick Rose. You know. Hopefully he gets some more looks and pick and roll, that type of thing. And the Hawks don't have a great defender for him. They're sending so much at Julius that the second side is going to be open. So if RJ gets the three ball going, I do kind of like that RJ uh, points, rebounds, and assists. He can obviously get going on the glass uh, well. Um, But, yeah, like you said, it's going to have to be all hands on decks for the Knicks. And I think, you know, even if they do get this game, I think, like you said, this ends in six in Atlanta if it does get there. Yeah, 100% agree. I, I think this will probably be the last night for us to take advantage of the Knicks' uh, first half and uh, first quarter bet. So uh, I think uh, I think we're in locked territory with that. Yeah, wow. All right, there we go. Uh, any other thoughts on this game here? No, that's it. All right, next game on the slate. I guess the first game on the slate is the Philadelphia 76ers playing host to the Washington Wizards. Sixers laying six at home, total at 229 and a half. Big news here, obviously, the Joel Embiid injury. He went down awkwardly in that game against, uh, in, in that game four against Washington, obviously. Didn't really look right. It looked like a back injury at first, played a couple more minutes, then came out with right, right knee soreness. MRI has him doubtful, but no more detail has been given. So, seems like no Joel tonight. Spreads at six, totals at 229 and a half. Moon up, where are you going with this game? Yeah, until the Sixers show me. So I think it's kind of zoom out is that obviously Joel Embiid is your best scorer and best player on this team. And we've talked about how Ben Simmons is kind of inept on the offensive side, and that puts a lot more pressure on Tobias Harris. Now, the question for me is how rattled are the Sixers going to be without having Joel Embiid in this game. I know they did it without him in the uh, regular season, but now when you're in the playoffs, um, on you know on the brink of advancing to the next series, but without your best player, I, I think this is going to be a game of adjustments and how Doc Rivers kind of what his game plan is, and as far as X's and O's, what's he's going, what is he going to do without Joel Embiid? Um, my my gut is telling me to take the um, Wizards here tonight plus the six. I think if Sixers win this game, it's probably going to be in a close game. But we've kind of seen is that the spread hasn't really mattered in in the playoffs so far. Uh, if you if you like the underdog, you probably just want to play the money line on the uh, Wizards. But I, I like I'm going to take the Wizards team total over here tonight, and I will take this. Uh, w- sorry, Wizards uh, team total over, and then plus the six on them here tonight. There you go. Yeah, I kind of lean to Washington here as well. I mean, it, I think one thing for the for the Sixers, they now kind of are prepared to go without Embiid, whereas in yep. that game four they looked bad without him, but they didn't. They weren't ready to make that adjustment. Obviously, um, mm. Washington does lose Davis Bertans as well. That kind of hampers yep. their spacing a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think these the Sixers have to prove they can do it on both ends without without Embiid. And you know, I think for him, I mean, that, it's obviously concerning now for the rest of the playoffs. I think they kind of are very lucky to be in the bracket that they're in because I think they could still 
you know, put up a good series against Atlanta and potentially win that series without without a healthy Joel Embiid. But for tonight's purposes, I will go with the Wizards plus six. Um, these spreads have kind of been interesting. I mean, not really seeing much of home court mattering in this series, like, uh, you know, kind of yep. been a similar number throughout and obviously the Embiid adjustment here. Um, but I will go with the Wizards plus six. Any thoughts on the total, 229 and a half? Yeah, I think this is a game where you probably want to wait for a live line because it's just going to depend on how what style of play the Wizards, or sorry, the Sixers are going to come out with without Embiid. Are they are they going to slow it down and get into half court offense, or are they going to play um, at a higher pace? Because we know what the Wizards want to do. We've talked about how they want to get the ball on a make or miss and push it down the floor. Um, so I think that first minute or two, you'll be able to see what style of play the Sixers come out with. I, at that point, that's when I'm kind of going to dictate on which way I want to go with this total. So I'll probably wait, wait for a live line. Um, like I did mention, I do like the Wizards over their team total of the 111. Um, one player I did want to highlight for the Wizards, now that Joel Embiid isn't kind of the rim protector, that big body inside, is going to be Daniel Gafford because I believe he had 12 points in game um, four, but 10 of the 12 came in that second half where Embiid wasn't there. So uh, I think if you're looking at it for player props here for tonight, I think Gafford is a good guy to target getting points inside the paint, whether it's off of a lob from uh, Westbrook or, or just having finishes around the basket, whether it's a, a dish to him or, or a, you know, a pass in the lane. So I think that's one player prop that I am targeting for this game. Yeah. And Gafford obviously standing to see a lot more minutes. He's been really good, you know, defensively, just crazy athleticism blocks dunk. So I really like his game as well. So um, definitely good angle there. Um Anything else in this game? I mean, it's kind of the the obviously the biggest dud of the playoffs, but you know, yeah. without Embiid, I mean, the, the Wizards have potential to make this interesting. So, any, any other bets or uh, angles for this game? No, that was just the one player prop I had, uh, and it was interesting to see that Westbrook did grab twenty one rebounds in the last game. Uh, I got um, one when I get some free time today. I want to see how many rebounds he had in that second half when Embiid wasn't there. Um, because he was really struggling grabbing boards during the regular season with Embiid uh, in the paint and then in the first couple games. But then last game when he had 21, I'm going to kind of go back and see how many rebounds he grabbed in that second half. Yeah. You got that? Yeah. Um, all right, with that, sorry, are you pulling up that stat or you want to take a quick break here? Let me take a break. All right, yeah, let's take a quick break here. And then we will come back and get to the rest of the slate. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is a go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family, social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made the chill, and that's Coors Lights. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way you know it's when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made the chill. Perfect for when you're sitting on the couch watching every single game of the NBA playoffs, betting on these games. You need a Coors Light to keep you cool. When the team you're backing is missing every single three they take, Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. 
Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. All right, coming back off the break, let's go to Utah, where the Utah Jazz are. A nine-and-a-half point home favorite, total at 226-and-a-half. Jazz looking to close this one out. Munaf, where are you going with this game here? Yeah, do we think that the Memphis Grizzlies have an answer for this Utah Jazz Jazz offense? I don't think so. Um, I, I think they've tried all the tricks in the book to kind of slow down this offense, but it just hasn't happened for them. I mean, you take a look at since uh, Donovan Mitchell returned, they've put up uh, 141, 121, and 120. So I'm going to continue running. Riding the Utah Jazz uh, on the spread and their team total again tonight. I think it's a wrap tonight for the Utah Jazz. Um, you know, expect Donovan Mitchell, uh, Mike Conley, and their guards to really just come out and play well and take care of business here tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies. As much as, you know, we've want to back this Grizzlies team because they're so gritty with John Morant and, you know, D- Dylan Brooks, who's been absolutely fantastic this whole series. Um, you know, Triple J, also some of their guys off the bench. I think one guy we we haven't mentioned from last game was uh, De'Anthony Milton, who had a great fourth quarter for them, yeah, but it just yeah. wasn't enough. Um, and Donovan Mitchell just came out, and you know, he's I think he's a great clutch player. I would probably put them right up there with Damian Lillard, also. But um, I think it's going to be too much for Memphis to handle. Now you're back in Utah again, where the crowd is. Let's just say obnoxious, uh, to put it uh, lightly. Um, but I think, yeah, Utah will take care of business here tonight, and it'll be a wrap for the series. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with Memphis here. I mean, I feel like for Memphis in game three and four, um, you know, I feel like they kind of were the right side in both those. Didn't cover, haven't covered any yeah. of the last three games, but they were right there to the end. They just can't really close games. It's weird. So I, I kind of like Grizzlies in the first quarter, first half here maybe. Um, okay. You know, at every step of the way, this so far, these playoffs, they've kind of responded to moments of adversity when everyone kind of assumed that it would go the other way. They've kind of drummed up a big performance, starting with that win in Golden State to, you know, clinch the play in. Um, so I do think they kind of come out hot here. Ultimately, I think the Jazz get this okay. win. And I am going to actually say a Jazz Clippers um, money line parlay tonight, maybe one uh, or maybe throw in. Um, another one of these favorites in the next couple nights, uh, maybe, maybe the Blazers throw in there. Um, but I think Utah fi- finds a way to get this done. I do think that Memphis, you know, nine and a half is a pretty big number. They've competed well all year. Got to keep Dylan Brooks out of foul trouble. Um, yeah. Got to keep him on the floor. He's kind of struggled to stay on the floor throughout these playoffs. And, you know, for, for Utah, they, they just continue to kind of, they hum at the right times offensively. They, you know, their, their three pointer, becomes a lethal weapon late in the game. And, you know, they just have a, a really solid team right now. And I, I think, yeah, I think they're going to waltz in the next round here. So definitely like Utah to win this game, but I do think Memphis can keep it close. Any player props or totals action here for you? Uh, no, I think this is a series where you got to kind of continue riding the overs, right? Because we're not seeing much yep. defense being played between these two teams. So uh, if the, if that wheel is hot and, and it's coming up red on the uh, roulette, table continue to ride those over so uh i'll be on the over again here tonight why not yeah i think i mean this number keeps rising but the offense is you know still there like you know neither of these teams can really slow each other down much and obviously i think the the grizzlies have been making a lot of like tough paint shots you know and rudy can get going and kind of dissuade those but 
definitely 226 and a half. I will go over in this one. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to why. I mean, the, the Grizzlies have competed well. Looking forward to seeing kind of how the Jazz look in their first kind of statement spot of the playoffs with obviously with a big showdown with the Clippers likely coming up. Um, yep. will be interesting to watch this game. So anything else for this one from Salt Lake? Oh, that's it. And we also, you know, while we're potting, see some reporting that Danny Ainge may be headed to a role with the Utah Jazz. So that would definitely be yeah. interesting for next year. Um, but lot, lots of the offseason is starting as we keep going with the playoffs. So <laughs> last game on the slate, you know, this series has been pretty epic so far with the, with the twists and turns. Now we come to game five. Clippers back at home, laying seven to the Mavericks. Total at 217 and a half. Feels like, you know, everyone is kind of just expecting the Clippers to kind of just take over the series, including myself. Always yeah. get a little bit scared in those type of spots. So I do kind of lean with Dallas in the seven points. Um, where are you going with this game here, Munaf? Yeah, this is, this is tough, man, because seven just seems like a lot of points because we know where Dallas is capable of shooting from three-point line, but they were such, they were so on fire in those first three games that it kind of regressed back to the mean in game four. And it's just going to depend on what their three shooting does in this game. I mean, they were five of 30 in game four and they lost the game by what, uh, 25 points. So yeah, I think Clippers know that they have to kind of take care of business at home because they don't want to get down three games to two heading back to Dallas. Um, I think Clippers get the W for sure. I will reluctantly take Dallas plus the points here. I think they'll come out and and shoot. They'll shoot better than they did for sure in game four. Uh, But I'm, again, looking at Kawhi and and Paul George to just be their two guys again and take care of business uh, at home. Um, Paul George didn't have a great shooting night in game four. Six of 16, only at 20 points. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, again, led the way for them, 11, 15, 29 points. And I think you alluded to this, is that Kawhi Leonard has quietly become probably the best player in the playoffs so far, and, yeah. and he's shown that in, in, in the first four games here. So I'm looking for Paul George to kind of be a – have a better shooting that tonight and help out his, his uh, co-superstar there. So um, I think Dallas and Luka will shoot better tonight. That way they will keep this game close. Um, keep your eye out for Luca. I mean, we, we've talked about the neck injury and the nerve pinch. I've talked about that's been bothering him, but he said it's been feeling better. Um, I expect him to have a, a better game than he has in game four. He was only nine of 24, one of seven from three. The crazy part for me about Luca is that as great of a shooter and a guy that he is to getting to the basket, his free throw shooting is so crazy to me that he can't knock down free throws, which is, yeah. which is so crazy. <laughs> Um, but I'll, I'll take Lakers. Sorry, Lakers. I'll take the Clippers here tonight. Uh, money line, but I, I think Dallas keeps it close. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I think it's a reluctant take on Mavericks plus seven. It's a big yeah. number, but like I still think the Clippers find a way to win this game, and I, and yeah. I think they kind of have to be the, considered the favorite in the Western Conference right now. But yep. again, you know, with Luka Doncic leading this offense, I mean, the three we've seen the three point shooting variance in this series and how hot they can get. And look. The Clippers, I think, are a better team, maybe potentially on the road right now. They don't really get a big staple center crowd, and the pressure's kind of on them there, the, the favorite. And then they went to Dallas, where they kind of had their backs against the wall, faced some adversity as a team, and that's when they really woke up. So, 
you know, I, I think yeah. this spot is not like, I, I think I would love the Clippers like in game one in Utah, if that, if we get that. Um, so in this spot, I will go with Dallas plus seven, but uh, you know, not my favorite play on the board. We'll put it that way. Thoughts on uh, any player props or totals here? Um, you know, I, yeah. I definitely expect Kawhi to have another big game here. Yeah, I think you got to continue riding Kawhi, right? Because he's just been so great in this series against the Dallas Mavericks. It almost seems like, like they don't really have an answer for him. You take a look at the numbers that he's put up, 26 in game one, 41, 36, and 29. So if you're seeing a player prop around um, 27 and a half, 28 and a half, uh, for Kawhi, let me see where it's at currently. It's up to yeah, 30 and a half, but I think he'll continue to dominate here. I don't think that the Dallas Mavericks have an answer for Kawhi Leonard defensively. Um, so it, it's really interesting to see that Kawhi Leonard off of makes from Dallas is really like getting the ball. And he's like, he, he himself is like pushing the ball down the court and getting, trying to get easy baskets. Um, but one thing for sure, if you guys are watching this game tonight, we might have two crazy fans in the arena Oh, one yeah. might go running onto the on, onto the court, so keep your eye out for that. I may or may not have heard if, if it was Sean and Ryan, but uh, keep your eyes out for that on TNT tonight. <laughs> yeah, that will be funny if you know if you do see a wild Sean stacking the money green on the floor at the at the at the Clippers game. Um, but yeah, big slate tonight. Um, you know, lots of. Um, Lots of just really interesting matchups here. Pretty big numbers, uh, except for that Knicks-Hawks game. So tread carefully tonight, but, you know, enjoy the final four-game slate that we will have. Munaf, your best bets for tonight's slate. Ooh, let's see. Um, man, let's see. Let's see. I love the Wizards plus the six, but... Um... I know we're going to be on the opposite offense of this, but I'm going to take the Knicks minus one and a half, probably at first quarter also. Um, again, it's just the Knicks being back at home. I'm expecting Julius Randle to have a big bounce back game. Um, I think this will get to game six. So let's go with the Knicks uh, minus one and a half against the spread and also throw in that first quarter for the Knicks uh, tonight. Yeah, I like that. You know, I like the Knicks first half. Just kind of give that trend one more shot at home. So that yeah. would probably be up there for me. And I, I do like the Wizards as well. Um, how about how about Grizzlies first quarter plus three? Um, I'll okay. go with that as well. Um, so a few a couple first quarter bets and the Wizards, you know, not really one of my favorite slates. Uh, kind of some of the weirder series that we have tonight. So um Looking forward to it, though. I mean, going to be a great night of watching hoops. Moon off. any final thoughts sure. on this slate or, you know, any other things you have to get off your chest for the people? I know you'll be back with Titus uh, tonight for another show, breaking down tomorrow's game. So the content train never stops for the hardest working man in the sports betting media industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh... – no, man. I mean, we have four great or four games. And I mean, anytime we have NBA playoffs, regardless of what the matchups are, you're all looking forward to, especially us, like as betters and guys that, you know, talk about it on our podcast. So I, I'm looking forward to tonight's matchups. And then, uh, you know, yeah, like you mentioned, I'll be recording with Dan tonight to preview the Thursday games. And uh, we'll see what happens, man. Excited for tonight. And uh, let's get it, man. Let's make some money. Yeah, let's get it. And obviously, I mean, the next the next few days are going to be ridiculous with Blazers Nuggets game six and then potentially game seven Suns Lakers game yep. six and potentially game seven and then Bucks Nets you know coming onto the fray and that series is going to be just epic 
one of the series I've been mo- most looking forward to in the past couple of years, honestly, just going to be so, yeah. so fun. So we're looking forward to getting into that a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, quick show today, but um, the content train never stops. We'll be back tonight and then we'll have McKee hosting again on Friday. And I'm sure they'll get into a lot of the Bucks net stuff um, for there. So with that, um, good luck, everyone, with your bets and uh, let it ride. Please follow me on Twitter at NBA Zach B. Moonop, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, find me on SportsNerd824 on Twitter. I'll probably have a couple of NBA plays. I am dropping a pro- player props column tonight, so look out. Yeah, get Moonop's player props column. Also, please join us in the Slack at sg.pn slash Slack. Find Munaf's article and all their other articles at sportsgamblingpodcast.com and all of our podcasts on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. All right, that should be it for today. Have a good one, everybody. And again, let it ride. Ba-da-ba-da.